Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right, we are going to continue our Advent series this morning. And as we welcome today's uh, pastor of the day to the stage, would you come merrily? We're going to pray for her. She's going to share the message with us this morning, continuing the series. She's my favorite. Let's pray for her and let's prepare our hearts to hear what she has to share. God, thanks so much for Marilee this morning, for the word you've put in her heart to share with us. Lord, we pray that we would be prepared to hear what you have to say, Jesus, that we would receive the message you have for us today, that we'd be able to respond, apply it to our lives, to see your kingdom come and your will be done in our heart, in our life, when we're at home, when we're at work, when we're with family, when we're having fun, God. All the things that we do, we want to bring you into that in a greater measure this day, this week, this year. We love you, Jesus. We look forward to hearing what you have to say to us through Marilee this morning. Amen. All right, would you welcome her with a round of applause here in the room with the, the thumbs ups and the hearts on the live stream. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning to those in the room. I am so happy to be here with you. You people bring such joy. So here we are. We are in the second week of our Advent series here at New Day, and Advent is a season where we get to remember and celebrate Jesus' arrival 2,000 years ago. We um, slow down and, um, and reflect on how he came, and when he came, he um, was the fulfillment of prophecy, and he brought peace and love and joy and hope. And he still brings those things today. It's just wonderful time. But Advent also reminds us that things aren't as they should be. We look forward to Christ's return when he will set everything right. Because we look around, we see sin and sickness in the world. And we know there's something more. And and Jesus will return and set everything right. So we look forward with hopeful expectation. And that's what uh, Cameron shared with us last week about hope. Well, while we hope, church, what can we do in the meantime? Well, we can prepare. And preparation is the topic for our sermon this morning. And so what we're going to do is we're going to learn that as Christians, we are to prepare our hearts for the return of Jesus, just like John the Baptist did um, to prepare the way for Jesus's earthly ministry, um, we prepare the way for his second coming. And so together we're going to reflect on this topic and discover the value of preparation. So grab your Bibles, and if you're at home, um, this might be easier for you. If you're already in the room without it, uh, I guess pull out your phone, because we are going to look up some scripture and read some awesome passages together. Um, So I want you to turn to John chapter 1. Put your finger there and flip over to Isaiah 40. All right, Isaiah 40, verse 3, the prophet Isaiah is talking about someone who would come and prepare the way for the Messiah 
which would bring comfort to God's people. So in verse 3, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so this prophecy was given, and um, so the people knew that this would come, and it did come 700 years later. Flip over to John 1. John the Baptist, uh, there in verse 23, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. And so John the Baptist was God's chosen herald, and he had the ministry of serving as the Messiah's herald to get the people ready. But what did his preparation mean? Make straight in the desert a highway? What is that? Well, um, as I studied and learned, it, um, it's about making the necessary preparations to get everything ready to level the roads and make them passable for the king to come. So this was actually a metaphor. Um, it was very common in their day, and they would have known what this was talking about, that whenever um, a king would, would journey to a place, it was well known, and, and they would make the road ready for him, and, and they would clear out any obstructions and, you know, fill in any places that have washed out because they wanted to make it easy for the king to come. And, and so um, when it says make his path straight, it's saying be the author, be the one to, to make the path straightforward. And so that's what he was doing. So we can learn a lot from John the Baptist. Since he prepared for the first coming and we're preparing for the second, we can learn a lot from him. There's two types of preparation that we're going to talk about this morning. The first one is individual preparation. And um, so we're going to ask ourselves, are we preparing? Are you preparing? Is your heart ready for him to come? Uh, Open to Matthew 25, and we're going to um, read the parable of the ten virgins, and that's going to give us insight on the topic of this individual preparation. Matthew 25. Starting in verse 1. At that time... The kingdom of heaven, at what time? At the time of the end of the age. It's talking about um, when the Son of Man will appear in the sky and he's going to come on the clouds with power and great glory um, and send his angels with a loud trumpet call. Okay, so that's the time we're talking about. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. How many of you can relate to that when, when Jesus takes a little longer than maybe you would expect? Oh, I thought it was going to be sooner. Um, <laughs> so that caught them off guard. He was a long time in coming. And uh, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. 
come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. And so this parable talks about two different types of folks, right? The foolish and the wise. And there's quite a striking end to that parable. And, um, you know, I'll apologize for being a downer, but it's in there, and we're going to read it and learn about it. (laughs) (laughs) so you know am i paying attention to this in my life is the question how is your own preparation process going a key between the two different groups of virgins was the wisdom that it takes wisdom um, to be aware of the preparation necessary and so an encouragement when i read that is um i can ask god for wisdom We know in James that when we need wisdom, we can ask of God, and he gives it to us when we ask in faith. So um, if if we're not uh, carrying that oil and being prepared, we can become like the wise virgin in this story. Um, But are you putting yourself in a place where you're ready, or are you getting so distracted with life and forget that he's coming we need to be intentional about the arrival of Jesus. Um, and so I don't know what was going on with the five foolish virgins. They brought their lamps. I mean, they all brought their lamps. Maybe they were just being negligent. Remember, they thought the bridegroom was going to come soon. Or maybe they were preoccupied with what they were wearing, or I don't know, preoccupied with something. But whatever the reason was, they weren't, re- they weren't ready. And to the unprepared virgins, he says, I don't know you. And so um, there is an astonishing link between our being in a state of preparation and Jesus knowing us. I think we often talk about the importance of us knowing God more, Right? And that's good. We're we're supposed to seek him, and we want to know him more. Um, But apparently, it's really, really important that he know us. Um, Because the door was closed, and he didn't open it. Um, So apparently, we have a major part to play in him knowing us. Well, what do you mean, Marilee? Isn't God (laughs) all-knowing? we know he are from the Bible. He already knows my thoughts before I think them. Uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And um, so I think what we have to, you know, realize from this is that it's an issue of the heart. It's a relational connection. And so for him to know me, for him to know us in an ex- 
experiential way and in a relational way, I must draw close. I must stay close, abide, and open every part of my heart to him in full transparency, in full vulnerability. This is really where I am at, God. In the deepest places, and he comes into those deep places where you share, um, you know, all of your rejoicing and all of your need. Every part of your life is, is bared before him. And um, what that does is it produces a tenderness and awareness and a nearness of him in my life that, we, that I didn't have before. And so our attention is always on him. We're abiding and we stay in that place of knowing and being known. It's intimacy, right? Um, that we are not forgetting about him in the midst of life. Because Christianity is not just a prayer and then you're in um, it starts there, um, and but there needs to be that continual yes, where where we're abiding, um, and of course there's lots of mercy and grace in there and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. But we don't get to just pray the sinner's prayer and then live lives completely absent of Him. That's where we're going to get to it, and He's like, I don't know you, um, but I will say. Um, it does start there with that initial yes to him. That's what salvation is. And so I would encourage you that if you're listening today or you're here today and you've never started there um, and that today's your day, that it's um, the beginning point and it's the best decision that you can ever make to uh, receive that outstretched hand of Jesus to rescue you from um life separated from relationship with him because of sin um and and he is is there to offer you eternal life forgiveness of sin a place in the family of god and um so i encourage you if you've not done that to do that today Um, we're going to have a time of prayer at the end and you can um, talk to god about that then and come talk to me afterwards if you're online reach out to our online host and they would love to um pray with you and talk with you about starting your relationship with Jesus. Um, And so where we are is that there is a a response after our initial yielding to his lordship. Um, And we also know that there's a key that we're to live obediently because um, all over in Matthew's gospel, he talks about this topic earlier in Matthew chapter seven, um, there's a verse about um, um, where he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do my father's will. And they say, well, what? I did miracles and I, you know, I did all these things. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. And so I think another key to him knowing us is being about the father's will and living obedient lives. So, and then later in Matthew chapter 25, there's the parable about the sheep and the goats. And um, that is quite clear about what God is expecting from us because he gives some specifics, which is helpful. Um, But he says, feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger, um, that when you do these things, you're actually doing it for Jesus. So I love the examples that you gave earlier, Bill, about ways to 
to feed the hungry, and you didn't even know that was right in my notes. Um, but it's great. As a church, we're doing this. Just um, this week, we gave over um, $500 to the gospel mission to feed the hungry. And so this is just what our lives should be about, right? Right. Yeah. So as Christians, one thing that ought to define us is that we are in a constant state of preparation. We're always aware and preparing for his coming. Um, and I think it's interesting that Jesus is doing the same thing. He said um, right before he um, ascended into heaven and, and left the earth, he said, I will go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again. And so he's preparing right now. And we're called to prepare. So we're both preparing. Um, and um, I have a little analogy that helps me think about this point, And it's a little funny, so hope you like it. Um, so think about this. Think about a bridegroom and a bride. And the, it's the wedding day and the, bri the bridegroom is all prepared. He's wearing his tux. He's, look he's had a haircut. He's looking good. He's got his groomsmen. He's got the ring. Um, there's guests, he has, you know, honeymoon planned, and it's just, you know, he's ready, he's prepared. And what if the bride just waltzes in in her pajamas, and she's like, oh, was that today? She's like, bedhead. <laughs> um, that, that's what it's like if we're not preparing. Like, that's such a ridiculous analogy. It, of course, both should be preparing, the bride and the bridegroom. Um, and so that's what we're doing right now. Um, so I'll let you guys in on this question that I had a couple of years ago. I was wondering, like, why was John the Baptist necessary? Um, why couldn't Jesus just come on the scene and start his earthly ministry? Like, he just kind of seemed like an extra character to me. And um, so I knew there was something I was missing um, and obviously, prophecy needed to be fulfilled, and, and obviously, God loves to co-labor with people. Um, but I just knew there was something about the value of preparation that I wasn't getting. And I think it might be because, you know, as humans, we tend to like the finish line, the finished product, the answered prayer, the, you know, the culmination of the thing. And God seems to like the journey and the process, and preparation is a, is a journey item. So um, that's probably part of it, too. But as I was um, preparing for this and reading more in John chapter 1, my little question got an answer, and that's where we're going next. So John chapter 1, again... Let's start in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the one I've been preparing you for. He's coming. He's right here. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came... What, what, John, what was the reason you came? I'm curious. The reason I came 
baptizing with water was that he, Jesus, might be revealed to Israel. Oh. So it wasn't just enough that John prepare himself. There was a part to play in the community. And so I don't think it's too far of a stretch to take this verse and apply it to our life to say that the reason we prepare the way is so that he might be revealed to those around us. So the second type of preparation that we're going to talk about is community. Are you helping get your community ready? This is not only an individualistic preparation. What does it look like for us to prepare the way for others? How can we make it easy for others to encounter God? How are, how are you revealing him to the people around you, to your children, to your coworkers, to your family, to your friends? Um, because small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And so drawing attention to that narrow road is what we're to be about. Well, I think one way, as I was asking myself these same questions that I'm asking you, I think one way is um, to be completely saturated by the goodness of God, we talked about soaking recently, uh, and really all those topics we talked about, prayer and fasting and worship, to be completely saturated by God, that when we're around others, we just exude him, and we um, can't help but affect and influence those around us. Um, I think another way is that when we are living holy lives, when we're living in righteousness, um, we live according to God's ways, other people are going to be impacted and they're going to go, well, what's different about you, you know? Um, and and, and we, we're living lives that um, are, are God, the way that God um, designed for us to live as Christians, and we're, we're bringing him up in conversation, and we're letting him know he's coming back, you know, and, it, and prepare your heart because he will return, and when he comes, he is going to separate the sheep from the goats, and you don't want to be a goat. You want to be a sheep. The goats spend eternity apart from God in hell, and we want to spend it with Jesus. And so um, sharing that. But just a little side note that I wanted to share about righteousness, and righteousness is living rightly, um, that, that whenever God gives us a command, did you know that it's the Lord doing us a favor? Um, that his commands are never to deprive us of something good, or they're, and they're never meant to punish us, they're always an invitation to life to, to bring us toward um, what sustains us and away from what will destroy us. And his commands are never arbitrary, um, and they will always lead to fullness of joy where we live out the truth that sets us free in every area of our life. So that was just something I had to get off my chest about righteousness. <laughs> Um, so there you go. So living righteously, 
Um, and uh, another question that we can ask ourselves, I think is important to ask ourselves as a community, right? We are a New Day community, we're a church, is how are we helping to prepare others? How can we level out the path and make the rough places more smooth to help somebody else encounter Jesus? Um, because we can help prepare other people to prepare for Jesus. That's what John the Baptist did. And so really practically thinking about this, inviting our neighbors to use our trail. And, you know, in, in going Christmas caroling, we are making Jesus that much more accessible. We are making it that much easier for them to encounter the Lord. Um, and we do these things, you know, with that intention. There has to be the intentionality there. We're not just going to go Christmas caroling, oh, joy to the world, I just like this song. No, we are going with the intention of, <laughs> we are preparing the way. Jesus is coming, joy to the world, he's come. And, um, and so that is why we do these things, because we're called to it. We have all been given, this is what I believe, we have all been given a John the Baptist call and anointing. Amen. The Great Commission is actually a preparation mandate. Yeah. And we often talk about the Great Commission, right? But I don't think we often talk about it from this Angle, And so we have this opportunity to consider preparation from this vantage point. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Get them ready for my second coming. Prepare them, is what it's saying. And when you might say, well, I don't have anybody to disciple. Well, what about your two little kids? That, those are two people for you to disciple? What about your roommate who is a new believer? We have people all around us that we can disciple and get them ready. Because Jesus is coming and we need to repent and make ourselves ready for him. This, that's the active part of Advent is that preparation, getting ourselves ready and helping to get others ready. And so I'm finishing a little early because I want to spend um, a little bit more time in this response time. And I'm, I'm going to have Rachel and Patrick come back up and play this, this song called Getting Ready by Upper Room. If you're listening to this message later and for some reason this song is not on the recording, please look it up yourself. It's a very powerful song, and I want us to use this time to really refocus our hearts. If we, um, you know, if we have our lamps, but we don't have the oil, we're not prepared. We've um, just kind of let God be kind of on the wayside and we're doing all these other things. Um, use this time to refocus and, and, and fill your oil um, by resaturating in him and being filled up by him. 
Um, and maybe you need to repent for that. Maybe um, you want to talk to God about the community aspect of this and pray about how you can help prepare someone else to prepare for Jesus. And um, so let's just stand. I'm going to pray for you. And then you guys can, I'm going to give you time to just pray or you can sing along however you want to respond. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus the first time. Thank you for rescuing us. And we know you will come again. Your word says it and we believe. And so help us to always be in a state of preparation and never forget that you're coming. That we would always have oil along with us. That when you come in that unknown day, in that unknown hour, we would be ones that could come in to the marriage feast of the Lamb because you know us. You know us because we've prepared and we've lived lives doing your will. Thank you, Jesus.